foreign affairs. Unrest continues for a seventh day in former British colony. Unrest and protests continued for a seventh straight day in the former British colony of the United States, as the government vowed to use its military to end the demonstrations, U.S. media reported on Tuesday. The protests began in the small province of Minnesota, located in the agrarian, quote, Middle West, over the killing of an ethnic minority by state security forces. Protests led by the minority, black community, have erupted throughout the country, with the minority group calling for equal rights and better treatment from the government. Protesters have set fire to government installations and looted buildings throughout the country as clashes with security forces continue. The security forces have tried to disperse the protesters with tear gas, rubber bullets, and batons, but to no avail. U.S. President Donald Trump, who was elected in 2016, despite the majority of votes going to his rival candidate, vowed in a speech to bring in the military to end the protests. I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them, Trump said in a national address. Trump used the opportunity to walk to a religious temple in the national capital, Washington, D.C., to proclaim his religious affiliation. Holding a Christian Bible in his hand, Trump declared the U.S., quote, a great nation. Religious fundamentalism and minority suppression has long been a problem in the former British colony. The United States has had a long history of suppressing and persecuting its various ethnic minorities since the country gained its independence from the United Kingdom in 1776. The treatment of its indigenous Native Americans, its imported Asian and Black communities, and its Hispanic community has long been a source of friction. American black minority groups were under a program similar to South Africa's apartheid policy until as recently as 1964. Today, the ethnic black community is still detained and killed with impunity by the state security forces, and black Americans make up the majority of those incarcerated under the country's archaic judicial system. Religion also plays a major role in governance, with religious beliefs separating key state organs, including the country's highest court, where many social laws are passed based on the justices' personally held religious convictions. <laughs> we love you, RBG. Yeah. That's pretty... So this comes from um, the Thai Inquirer, which is not a publication that I'm familiar with, but it's Oh, you don't wake a, up every day and read the Thai Inquirer? I usually Inquir don't Thai read the Inquirer? Thai Inquirer, no. It's um, kind of hard to say. Thai Inquirer. Is it two I's, or do they just make it one word? Where... Well, Inquirer starts with an E. Shut up. I don't know you about... You shut up. I don't know about words. I know. Um, so yeah, anyway, it's obviously Inquirer. a satirical uh, post. It's very funny, I think. Yeah, it's a really sick burn because essentially <laughs> this is just using what the Associated Press like style guide uh, would stipulate is like w the way to cover foreign political uh, like unrest. Yeah. But of America. It's in the details. Like the fact that they, they call the church a religious temple in the capital. Like it's just so, so fucking good. Um what were some of the other ones? The Supreme Court making the archaic passing law based on their religious beliefs. Like, yeah, it's just it's perfect. It's exactly how Western media covers yeah. unrest in, you know, the developing world. And it's funny because it has all this like um, disengaged language that that is both like very accurate 
mm-hmm. in describing the situation, but uh, entirely uh, alien to the way that the people uh, would who go to this religious temple and have these uh, religious beliefs would uh, describe uh, their own worldview, you know, like. Right, right. Like, yeah, it, it seems like it's also just like designed to appeal to like some like lowest common denominator of information, right? So if you use the word government installation and like you don't have to get specific of whether or not it is like a, a like local the local government precinct, yeah, yeah or, or like the federal government it's just like a government installation it's like really all you, it's all the only impertinent information for that for that story and, and, and it's funny to like just see like that thirty thousand foot view of yourself because that's that's always the perspective of power right is to like look really far away and just comment on it and these really broad strokes that's a very powerful thing to do to someone mm. and uh uh it's and to watch it done to you is both funny and you know in the back of your head you just get a little disturbed right or you're just like oh gosh that's how i know most of the world is like at this yeah dumb It'll, scale it's <laughs> like, much scarier too when it's oh, described yeah, yeah. in those kind of like uh aggressively objective terms i would say yeah, it really um, leaves open the possibility for it to go in any direction, you know, like, uh, or, or like, uh, intensify to any arbitrary degree, which I guess really is the case, you know? I mean, yeah. Like, if, if any of the, um, the things that they were talking about, state persecution of ethnic minorities and uh, uh, the the religious fanaticism of the uh, government being a, a fundamental driving force behind a lot of uh, its more what you could call like fascistic uh, tendencies. Yeah, it could it could get a lot worse. Yeah, <laughs> it just got more intense. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot to cover today. Oh boy, there's howdy. a bunch of stuff. A lot of stuff happened. Yeah. Um, what are we getting to first? Here? Seems like more and more these days. More, they're saying it more and more. More and more things are happening all the time. Um, sorry, I'm really exhausted because all I can hear all night while I sleep is fireworks going off constantly. It's like Fallujah out there, as Carmela Mantello (laughs) described the streets of Troy as. What's it been like down here, Chris, with the fireworks constantly? So I live in uh, Lansingburg, like right near the uh, north central Lansingburg line. It's a very ethnically diverse working class neighborhood. And as you get more south from me, it becomes more and more like impoverished and more and more people of color and, and black. And uh, that's generally been the direction by which most of the larger fireworks have been going off. And I don't know if this has been going on like at the same rate in every city, um, but the fireworks this year are way more numerous and way, way louder than yeah. any I'd ever heard in my neighborhood or in any of the neighborhoods that I, I lived in. I used to live in North Central uh, where people would, you know, make a big deal, especially on uh, July 4th, just like shutting the entire street down. And like on 6th Ave, it would just be all fu- like amateur fireworks for yeah, like... Yeah, just illegally like taking the street. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, for, yeah. The, for like an hour or two. Uh, and uh, without like barricades or anything, sometimes right. people would like, just get like really uh confused and like drive into what was just uh, a ton a ton of uh roman candles just going off in every direction <laughs> yeah yeah uh but yeah no it's been really crazy like, and we can actually i should say we can hear them from our house they're not happening like in our neighborhood directly but you can hear them going all night yeah we can hear them in that inside within the house inside yeah, the house yeah, all the time. Yeah. yeah yeah um 
And, uh, you know, personally, I feel pretty bad for my uh, fiance because she actually has to work um, on the weekends uh, now and was waking up at like 530. So I was trying to uh, settle down and get ready for bed with her at uh, nine. She ended up having to put in like um, earplugs and like, you know, put on uh, the AC and try to like drown out any of the sounds because it was really big shelling happening like within probably about 400 feet of our uh, roof. So this is happening in cities across the country yeah um and there is a tasty tasty conspiracy theory floating around about it that i would just like to be wildly irresponsible on this podcast yeah as we um, do because we're not journalists not even close we're just schmucks we're just oh can i say schmucks yeah you can okay, say schmucks. I can, okay you can say schmucks. um <laughs> and uh so there's this conspiracy theory going around on twitter that uh is chris do you want to give us the yeah yeah the lowdown on the conspiracy theory should say also that uh uh it's been bad enough in troy or noticeable enough that um our mayor mayor madden useless good for nothing flat-headed mayor madden is uh issued a statement yeah, about, right. about what did these he say? He just, you know he's just like knock it off and like people try to sleep and you know they got guilt people talking about veterans I got, I got a quote. The special unique veteran PTSD. I mean, I do, like, I I also have post-traumatic stress, and fireworks are, as with many people who have post- It's not veterans who have PTSD and have a problem with that. It's not just because it's bombs going off. It's also just part of post-traumatic stress is meaning, like, sudden, Sudden, loud things are scary because your fight-or-flight mode is all fucked up from, you know, whatever. I I, I mentioned because he specifically- He specifically says veterans, veterans, yeah, of course. And dogs. Veterans, you know. The two things that matter more the than two, anyone else. The two genders. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and old, old <laughs> people. Yeah, I got a quote here. He says, the illegal use of fireworks in our neighborhoods are more than a nuisance. They negatively impact the quality of life across our community and disrupt the urban environment for our more vulnerable residents, especially young children and elderly adults. By leaving fireworks displays to professionals, we can reduce the risk of injury and harm from improper use and show our support and respect for our neighbors. And then he went on to uh, also mention that they're especially distressing to veterans. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just Which gonna, is true. I mean. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to go on record as the uh, unpopular opinion that I fucking love fireworks. I love lighting them off. I love hearing them. I love playing with them and setting things on fire. Yeah, David so I'm just gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and this say this is it. probably one of the yeah. largest rifts in our partnership. Honestly, yeah. is that David <laughs> loves fireworks and I fucking hate fireworks i hate them i wish that nobody was allowed to do them in urban areas i wish that i never had to hear another firework in my fucking life because i hate them yeah i was such a huge uh fan of fireworks my entire childhood growing up and like the fourth of july display that they put on worcester was like something that i eagerly anticipated uh over and over and over uh and was extremely satisfied with because they also had like a uh big orchestra that would play and so they do what's the one that's like oh yeah um that the John Philip Sousa thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. We played it once when I was in high school. Yeah, that, that's anyway, cool. That song fucking rules. Yeah. And uh, you can tell I'm very unlettered. <laughs> Phil Stein. <laughs> from um, uh, no, from the, like the roof of my house growing up, I could see like three different city firework displays. It, it ruled. Hell yeah. Yeah. 
Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, having them go off randomly when it's like otherwise quiet, uh, and really, really close to your, uh, your house and they're really, really, really loud. Like I'm talking like three or four times louder than I've ever heard. These are in a not residential. normal fucking fireworks. Yeah. They're these are, not, these right? are like the, the big boys, but yeah. like launched with like, I think less propellant so that they like go off closer <laughs> to buildings. Really close to the house. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And these are expensive, right? Like we're going to get into this. So yeah. We'll they talk, are. Yeah. So Chris, give us the, give us the lowdown on this conspiracy theory. All right. So this is a screenshot from a Facebook post uh, by someone uh, with the moniker son of Baldwin. And it begins with a uh, uh, disclaimer that I'm probably probably just going to like steal and use for like totally un uh, uh related tweets in the future it reads please note agents are descending on this thread to discredit and gaslight this observation please alert me to them and i will block and delete thank you <laughs> and then it proceeds uh Good morning, family. Reporting from Brooklyn. There was yet another night of extremely loud fireworks starting at 8 p.m. and ending about 2 or 3 a.m. Like, it's on a set schedule, specifically when people are most likely trying to sleep. This is the second or third week straight of it. It started after the Black Uprising slash Great Reckoning. Every night during the same time period, like clockwork. But last night was the loudest I had ever heard fireworks in my entire life, and I've lived in New York City for 49 years. It sounded like a war. The media is reporting this as though it's just black and brown kids blowing off steam, but I, I believe that that's not the case. My neighbors and I believe that this is part of a coordinated attack on black and brown communities by government forces, an attack meant to disorient and destabilize the Black Lives Matter movement. The goal, we think, is multifaceted. One, sleep deprivation as a means to create confusion and stoke tensions between black and brown peoples. Two, desensitization as a means to get us so used to the sounds of firecrackers and other fireworks that when they start using the real artillery on us, we won't know the difference. It's meant to sound like a war zone because a war zone is what it's about to become. We think this is a psychological warfare and the first wave before whatever the next stage of attack is. We think this because there is no way in the world that young black and brown people would otherwise have access to these professional fireworks. Fam, these are Macy's slash 4th of July slash New Year's level uh, fireworks displays and sonic booms reserved generally for the wealthiest people and institutions. And these kids are being supplied with these things by the truckload. Hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks of explosives, y'all. No young black and brown people would be able to afford even a fraction of this supply. Some folks have said they've seen boxes of high-grade fireworks left in black and brown neighborhoods, which reminds us of the government's role in the crack epidemic. We think the government is providing these to neighborhood young people. These young people are unaware of how they're being used against their own communities and think they're, they're simply being allowed to have some kind of fun that is generally considered illegal. After being cooped up during this pandemic, this is cathartic for them, but they clearly don't understand that they're pawns. The government and the media, mainstream media are being coy or pretending to be clueless about it all, of course. The government told residents to call 311 or 911 when a firework happens, but when you call 311 or 911, no one shows up. And why would they if they're the ones by Behind it. The New York Post exposed the New York Fire Department for uh, taking part in it. Uh, but as you would imagine, the government is leaving it up to the fire department to investigate itself and eventually clear itself of any wrongdoing. The New York Times is reporting on it as a, quote, culture clash, unquote, issue. But I think it's passive-aggressive assault on the minds of black and brown people who are rebelling against the status quo. This is gaslighting with literal lights. If you know anyone participating in these fireworks attacks, please educate them about how this is an attempt to undermine the struggle of liberation and try to persuade them not to allow themselves to be used by the enemies of our people. 
I know I sound like a conspiracy theorist, but fam, please trust me. I've lived in New York City long enough to know a rat when I see one. Dun, dun, dun. And David, you watched the video of the FDNY setting off fireworks, right? Yeah, well, the video only has like like a fountain thing, which I think is legal uh, around there. Um, it's yeah, just, just the yeah, little ones. It's that... a little fountain and, and it's going off right in front of a of a station and then within this new york post article that embedded the video there was a quote saying that they saw a, a fire department official like light it off like okay. firemen light it off so you know i've seen a bunch of people on twitter people who i like respect and um believe and um a lot of people are saying like this is just the dumbest conspiracy theory but <laughs> i mean you guys know me if a, if a conspiracy theory isn't like racist or sexist, I'm down for it. Like pretty much any conspiracy theory that doesn't rely on, um, isn't using the wrong tropes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I mean, anecdotal evidence, uh, is abound that there's way more loud fireworks this year than in previous years. Well, Well, even in like, like quantitatively that new york post article that we're talking about that we'll link to uh um says that like world-renowned journalistic outlet yeah yeah new york post uh (laughs) just knocking it out of the park every single day so like it was like a four thousand percent increase in uh in reports from to like their 311 service or something from this time last year yeah now to the reason it was a four thousand percent increase is because last year there was something like i don't remember the exact numbers like 12 this time last year and this year it's like 900 and something um, but yeah, I mean, it's just so clearly of a, of like qualitatively different than what people are used to for this time of year. Yeah. And the arguments about like why this isn't some sort of malignant or malicious conspiracy is because, well, so many things have changed, right? Like it could yeah. just, you know, people are bored, uh, extra bored and fireworks, uh, retail people and like distributors don't know like what they're actually going to be able to sell on 4th of July because we don't have. We're, we're still going to be under social distancing in a lot of places. Yeah, a so. lot of cities are straight up canceling their Fourth yeah. of July fireworks displays, according to the article. Right. So, so these things have got to go somewhere. But then the thing is, like those sorts of fire, like really professional fireworks displays, are not like a bunch of those those mortar, the, like those thick cardboard mortar tubes and then you put something in and you light it and walk it's just it's not like a guy with a cigar just like lighting things in order right it's like everything is packaged perfectly and and wired to a, a board and and it's all electronic so like these those sorts of fireworks like don't just have a fuse to light you right. know although you could you could equip them too sure you could but i you probably don't imagine like all of these people know how to do that and did that i don't know but it doesn't mean that, like, there aren't a ton of distributors that walk that line, which they do, of, like, between public and and professional distribution, and then, like, they're just going to make up for it with a lot more uh, stuff for, for families or, or whatever, for individuals or whatever. He's like, what, what, in my firework-loving household, like, you go down, and you go down to Florida, there'd be these, these buildings that like if you have a tax identification number for any kind of business you just need any sort of tax identification number you get into like every sort of professional fireworks display thing and around this time you go in there and they'd be like buy one get one it's like you just like, buy one get, get two yeah buy one get three yeah buy, yeah 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 you just get like just and yeah you just spend a a, a unreasonable amount of money and get a shit ton of fireworks 
So I wonder what type of uh, tangled web of interests is in, involved here, like, you know, like with Iran-Contra and getting crack into like the uh, poor black and brown neighborhoods, like using government helicopters and planes uh, and like... Or do you think that th this is meaning like big firework is like directly <laughs> like profiting? Like, I wonder, there's got to be like some other third like uh, party for this, this conspiracy. Yeah, like, yeah, who else is benefiting? We still from don't this? know where all the Trump inaugural funds went to. That's, uh, yeah. And it could, and you know, like he's, I'm sure, counting on getting reelected because he's so like disconnected from reality. We'll talk more about that later. Um, so maybe it's some kind of inauguration related, or it could be the conventions coming up. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think I'm going to have to do a little bit of uh, direct reporting because next time I hear these gigantic fireworks going off, I'm going to go and try and like skateboard down to the source of them and see just what the vibe is like and see if there's like illegal fireworks paid for by trump with like a giant like gold sharpie like yeah. signed on the, the side of the box there's just like two g-men in in suits and sunglasses at night like just like like with their arms crossed in front of a display of fireworks like selling them just, to children just skateboard through and shout if you're cops you have to tell me over and over yeah. again there you go and then God, you'll, I wish you'll that trick worked. them yeah. God, trick i wish them that worked thinking that they have I, to tell you i mean obviously the the third party here that would redound to trump's benefit would be to say that they're from china which they are <laughs> right so you know maybe it's, all it's, fireworks it's, yeah. it's a all, yeah all the way back to the first firework yeah it's a chinese it all, it's it a chinese government china. doing a, some sort of psyop on us with the fire with their fun fireworks bastards so this is a deeply fucked up story. So we have no national numbers on nursing home deaths. And we know that what we are counting is dramatically under what's actually happening. But this story, this is published in ProPublica. Um, that's basically about how and like Andrew Cuomo's governorship of the state of New York led to massive nursing home deaths. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll say right off the top that I'm a little loath to talk about this only because it makes Steve McLaughlin look smart. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our but, big boss baby, Steve McLaughlin. Yeah, the boss baby seems to like know what he's talking about, but I'll, 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 I'll contend this till I die that really the only reason he got this right is because he was being contrarian to Cuomo. It's just because he hates Cuomo. Yeah, that's and the only... And in this case, hating Cuomo is yeah. the right is, yeah, decision. Was the correct, yeah. yeah, led him to the right decision. Even a blind squirrel yeah. finds a nut, yeah. as my mom used to say. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she no, still he, says it. Yeah, he, he, if, if Trump is just like, put all of the coronavirus uh, materials, all the, the dirty, dirty scrubs, put the, just put your grandma into the pile of the dirty scrubs, he would, he would do it. Like you fucking would do it. Did you hear the Trump administration was sending like gowns and stuff? It was sending like materials to nursing homes that they absolutely do not fucking need, including gowns that didn't have armholes. So it was just like a like a potato sack made out of paper that you could put on. Cool. Anyway, that's a totally different story. This story actually begins in a little town that you might have heard of called Troy, New York. Um, it's really like just, okay, so I'll just read a little bit from the intro to the article. On April 3rd, Stephanie Gilmore, a 34-year-old nurse working at the Diamond Hill Nursing Home in Troy, New York, was summoned to a supervisor's office. The home's administrator and nursing director were there to relay some distressing news. Um, Gilmore said they told her that a resident in the home had recently gone to the hospital where she tested positive for COVID-19. The resident was set to return to Diamond Hill, making her the first confirmed COVID-19 case at the 120-bed facility north of Albany. That's us. 
So by June, 18 of Diamond Hill's residents had died from the virus and 58 had been infected. At least 50 of the facilities, more than 100 workers had also been sickened with COVID-19. So all of this happened because um, a week before this, in late March, uh, Andrew Cuomo and his health commissioner, Howard Zucker, made any discharges for COVID positive patients um, leaving hospitals to go to nursing homes mandatory. In other words, nursing homes were not allowed to turn away people who had been hospitalized with COVID. And they weren't even allowed to um, test them for whether or not they were still highly contagious despite their treatment. Wait, what? Yeah. Th- doesn't this fly in the face of like all of the CDC and like all of the um, the phased implementation guidelines? Like, you know, the fact that nursing homes even, you know, remain occupied, like those are high density housing units with like little to no uh, barriers between like bed to bed and, and various other uh, Yeah, and a lot of these facilities, they can't have their own rooms. Um, which was happening. You had patients coming back from hospital treatment with COVID-19. They wouldn't even give them their own room. So they're like living in dor- like dormitory style housing, sharing rooms with each other. Um, nurses going from patient to patient without any kind of proper, like the, not even enough PPE, let alone like the proper sanitizing procedures that a hospital would have for dealing with a bunch of incredibly infectious patients yeah yeah I'm, I'm thinking of like the uh again this maybe this is you know like the theme for the episode right you think of this like high level view from uh, 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 uh the center of power and what you get is like well you don't want all these nursing homes to get scared or spooked and like not accept any of these nursing home residents after they've gone to the hospital so you would be in this situation where hospitals have no place to discharge an older person who used to live in a, in a residence home so you want to be able to like force them to take them but then that assumes that any of these nursing homes actually have really like any significant medical facilities to like keep people safe right because all of these places run on a profit and so they're not designed to like deal with a pandemic obviously or really just like any sort of major outbreak because they're run to be as cheap as possible and we'll actually talk about that in the next story that is also related to um nursing homes but yeah you're exactly right that like it's kind of i can understand the logic behind what cuomo did because you're in sort of and i don't want to give him any credit because you absolutely do not have to hand it to him i promise you but i can understand the logic behind that legislation which is like well what are you gonna do yeah what's the alternative Yeah, like, what else are you going to do? I mean, and, you know, the answer is, like, defund the police and put all these old people up in hotels with that money. But, um, you know, Cuomo can't do that. That's not really, like, in the governor's purview. Yeah, or just dispossess the hotel owners. Yeah, right. (laughs) Which has actually happened in, in, I was just reading. We we covered this, yeah, in British Columbia. No, there's a place in New York that's, like, an old Howard Johnson that's been turned into a homeless shelter. There you go. not hard. I haven't heard any, like, I haven't seen any actual articles on it, but I saw it referenced in some other piece I was reading. I think actually the piece we're going to talk about next. But so in all, after Cuomo passed this legislation, about 6% of uh, all nursing home residents in New York State died. Which they, which they point out makes them only 35th ranked in the 50 states of uh, nursing home proportion deaths Jesus. to all of COVID deaths. But that's because... A lot of people died in New York. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, a lot like, of people died in New York. Yeah, like, I don't even know, do we even have enough old people to, like, make that 
proportion go up? Probably not, because they all moved down to Florida and are dying now. So interesting that you say that. So states that issued orders similar to Cuomo's recorded comparably grim outcomes. Michigan lost 5% of roughly 38,000 nursing home residents. Uh, New Jersey lost 12% of its more than 43,000 residents. In Florida, where such transfers were barred, just 1.6% of 73,000 nursing home residents died of the virus. So yeah. m- fewer by, a, by a, an order of magnitude. Um, died in Florida died in florida yeah well the, but now that it's like a hot, yeah it's a hot spot of, yeah it's beginning to be yeah, the, the yeah the, the, the it'll get worse yeah yeah it's, yeah, it's gonna right get now. really bad but it does suggest that this policy specifically led to right. much much higher nursing home deaths right absolutely and 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 you should go read the article because it gets into real detail of what it was like to be in that nursing home where you just like because like there's there's people with like dementia that like don't know where they are or like you know, you can tell them like you have to isolate in this part of the nursing home, and then the next you know in an hour you find them somewhere else, and it's because they don't fucking remember that they're supposed to isolate, right? And so they're just gonna keep walking around, and you don't have the protective gear to like you know you have to touch them, you have to move them back, so you're gonna get, and then you and then you have like a dozen more rounds to make, so you've touched this person. This de- this person with dementia who ha- probably has COVID still, and now you're going to every other person in the in the home and touching them and giving them you know like a, a th- you know checking their temperatures or doing whatever you gotta do and cleaning them, cleaning them, them. Yeah, yeah, like really like all up, literally Intimate. all up in their shit. Yeah, you know? all up in their shit. Yeah. So, boss baby Steve McLaughlin, uh, county executive, another of- person who you absolutely do not have to hand. You it do to. not have to hand it to him. I promise you, folks. So this is quoting again. He viewed the state's directive as madness and chose to defy it, refusing to allow any COVID-19 patients to be returned to or placed in the one nursing home run by the county, which is the 320 bed facility Van Rensselaer Manor, um, which has not seen a single COVID-19 death. So that's been reported. Yeah, that's been reported, which, you know, yeah. what, What has he been doing with them? Uh, he's, they, they're not taking them. So that's like kind of the, the, what this article begs the question of like, well, where do they go? Where do old people being discharged from the hospital with COVID? I guess if next they to can't kin return to would, their nursing home. Would be like the, yeah. the most logical. Next of kin, which actually we're going to hear a story. Maybe we should even move into that story because I don't know how much more there is to say about this one specifically, but, um, well, before we get to that, anyway, David, what did you want to say about it? Yeah, just to put in perspective how much Steve McLaughlin, how much you don't need to hand it to him. Uh, we got our testing sites for COVID in Rensselaer County the first week of May. I don't think he took it seriously for a really long time. Like, by the time I needed a, a test, uh, he was still complaining about plastic bags. He was bitching about people from downstate coming up yeah. to New York and spreading the virus. I, I do yeah. remember that. Yeah. yeah, he was very concerned about that. Yeah. So it's not like he was just saying it was no big deal, um, or at least I I never saw that coming from him. Yeah, but. though he the, though like you know like the like ban people from downstate like what the fuck are you going to do? You know, like I mean it's an it's an argument. Bring in the has, National Guard and just yeah, line like, them up. At yeah, Poughkeepsie, it, uh, yeah, Poughkeepsie and lower. You're not fucking getting in. All right, it's like just one of those arguments where like it, like maybe it's even true, but like then what the fuck are you going to do about it? Like you're just you're just taking an opportunity to like. It's just like, dunking say, on Cuomo. Yeah, yeah, donkey on Cuomo Grand and donkey on, on New York City in general and grandstanding. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, again, don't need to hand it to him. So, um, Charles, Br- so back to this article, Charles Brannis, who leads the epidemiolo- the epidemiolo- 
epidemiology department at Columbia said basically that it was kind of like a reverse triage policy, which mm-hmm. po- he says possibly the positive trade off they had in mind was the policy w- with the policy was that more lives would be saved with additional open critical care beds than would be lost in transfer to nursing homes. So in other words, I guess what that suggests is that the alternative would have been just keeping those people in the hospital in perpetuity. Yeah. At a time when we desperately needed. No, it's better to send them to people with really compromised immune systems and incredibly close quarters so that they have to go into those high, you know, uh, intensity um, ICU. So they can um, get more people sick. I mean, th- yeah, I mean, yeah. this whole thing is totally fucked, right? Like the 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 tragedy of covid is the fact that we in the in the United States, you know, and Western Europe and the Western general had like a month, maybe two months head start on preparing for this coming pandemic that was going to change the shape of our economy and all of our lives and just did fuck all like just screw the pooch almost unilaterally um that said the united states has uh done the worst by far Mm -hmm. we're like i think seven times above the uh average for all other countries of the same size in terms of uh, infection rates and uh deaths and uh you know trump the other day i was i listened to a little snippet of his tulsa rally and he was like i've saved hundreds of thousands of lives it's like uh, how like what yeah. Like, you know, like, are we just, you know, going to make up like the hypothetical worst case scenario of like literally all of us being dead and then count everybody who survives as like a life saved by like, I don't know, some weird gangster shit where you like <laughs> are running around snatching up tens of thousands of pieces of PPE and like storing them in bunkers and shit. Like, yeah, I think that uh, we are not at a at a space yet where we can like really coalesce around like exactly who fucked this up so bad but like it's just like every single person in power yeah yeah it, it, yeah and it's just it, it's it's tragic it's and tragic it's, and it's also like the starting conditions right even before you know like in 2019 right you know where like we live in a country where we warehouse our poor people and and our and our elderly and we like don't and we like visit them on christmas and then like just sort of like leave them to languish in these warehouses and you know like of course the, the for profit right so of course like uh, a virus comes and like takes all of them one day like yeah. of course that was going to happen yeah right. it's, it's literally a place to go to wait to die yeah and so like who really cares how long that wait is am i right ah uh, <laughs> no it, it, it's fucked it's fucked i mean they're dark places to begin with like it's it's a it's a it's a sad thing you know like i volunteered at a nursing home when i was in high school because i had to get volunteer service hours yeah, for me my, too. my college scholarship and it is not a fun place. I once it's had not a fun place. A lady grabbed my forearm who is like in a wheelchair and she goes, Get me out of this place. Jesus it's fucking hellhole. And oh it, it, it traumatized me a little bit. But so this next article really just shows like what the what all the motivations are for these nursing homes, right? Which is a surprise money. Yeah, the relationship between that article and this one is kind of strange and it's hard for me to quite put my finger on it. So maybe you guys can help me parse this out. This is in the New York Times, which uh had to open a private viewing window for because fucking New York Times doesn't let me read any of the dang on articles. I don't even remember the last time I got to actually read a New York Times article for free. But anyway, if you open them up in an incognito window, usually works. So um, the title is, They Just Dumped Him Like Trash. Nursing Home Evicts Vulnerable Residents. 
nursing homes evict vulnerable residents. The DECA's nursing homes across the country are kicking out old and disabled residents and sending them to homeless shelters and rundown motels. This article starts off really fucked up. Basically, an L.A. LA police found an old, disoriented man uh, lying on a sidewalk in Koreatown. And essentially what happened was a few days earlier, this man, R.C. Kendrick, who's 88 years old and a dementia patient, was living in a nursing home that had a history of regulatory problems. And on April 6th, the nursing home just took this man to an unregulated boarding house basically a halfway house, um, without telling his family. And within 24 hours, this man was just wandering around the city alone. What? So this is somebody whose family had been paying the for-profit nursing home to uh, house, and they just like straight up booted him out on the street? Yeah. So according to three employees at the nursing home, this came as the management at the nursing home was telling staff members to try to clear out less profitable residents to make room for a new class of customers who would generate more revenue, patients with COVID-19. What? So again, like that makes it kind of hard to square the two articles, right? And it's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about them together is because you have a state mandate that's requiring nursing homes to take back covid COVID patients, while you have this other sort of like private market force that is encouraging these nursing homes to take in COVID-19 patients. And the reason for that is that they bring a lot. They bring, in some cases, as much as $600 more in revenue per day than, say, a Medicare or Medicaid uh, nursing home patient. So wait, this is uh, being paid for with emergency COVID relief money or something by the government? Yeah, and also private health care, private health insurance. So now it actually sounds like the opposite of what I was saying earlier, right? Where Cuomo, you could understand the argument that like, oh no, nursing homes are going to be conservative in who they take back and you can't have all of these COVID-19 recovering elderly people like in this limbo between the nurse, between the hospital and the nursing home, right? And so you just force the nursing home to take the elderly people back from the hospital, when in fact, what actually now to me sounds more likely is that a bunch of nursing home executives talk to Cuomo and they're like, we would love to have a reason to force people out and take in these more lucrative patients. So but, just require so, us to take it in. And then we'll be like, well, we have to get rid of someone but here's because the we have to take them in. It's not quite that because here's the difference is that we tend to think of convalescent homes as places for old people. But in a lot of parts of the country, convalescent homes are not just for the elderly. They're for people recovering from an illness. Okay. So in this case, what was happening is older people who are in a convalescent home because they're elderly and can't take care of their, themselves, they're on Medicare that's that's covering their stay there and now you're bringing in so so with cuomo it was a nursing home has a patient they get sick they go to the hospital when they get discharged from that hospital the home has to take them back in this case they're kicking out already existing residents to take in new patients people who are convalescing from covid19 so it's not a, a former resident who was hospitalized and is now coming back instead they're kicking out existing residents to take in brand new patients while they convalesce from their hospital stays. So this would all make a ton of sense if there was a parity to the amount of people who were kicked out of a convalescent home to make a bed for a COVID patient were were like basically you swapped 
So you make like one out of every five or six or so um, nursing homes, the COVID ward nursing home. And everybody who went from a hospital bed, which needed to be, you know, uh, discharged into a nursing home goes to the one full of people with COVID. Well, that would work great if they were state run entities. Right. But they're not. But like, and the state can't yeah. just come in and like nationalize all of them and decide like who's going to go where. They're, For they're some private. fucking reason. But he, well, it's <laughs> capitalism. But, yeah, right, but they're doing yeah. that right now, which is to say they're creating laws that are uh, requiring, uh, you know, the uh, the sick uh, discharged COVID patient to go back to the nursing home. So the state is already the coming in. The difference is the state's not mandating who the nursing home has to accept as a patient. They're, yeah. they're mandating that you can't get rid of a patient simply because they got sick with COVID. That's okay. the difference here. Okay, but, but my but my point is that they're 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 doing state intervention within the free marketplace of nursing homes. They're you know uh, allowing for a weird profit motive for housing people with COVID. So they're already like doing legislation and putting like the government like thumb yeah, on the but scales. That's a huge of, difference. That's like saying, well, if you let me come to your house and piss in your toilet, why won't you let me ki- piss in your kitchen sink? Like those are two hugely different regulatory modes, right? Yeah, but in this case, p- pissing the sink sink would actually save lives. So it's like, yeah, yeah you know, like go, by all means, piss go, my sink. Yeah, you well, know? Yeah, <laughs> take, a giant, take a giant dump in my sink. <laughs> like, yeah, no, but, yeah, like, no, yeah, I, I, I agree. like we move all sorts of mountains and and heavens yeah like for for profit all the time like i don't yeah it's wild that they can't like so i realize now i've been essentially playing devil's advocate i've been arguing my position on behalf of the market i agree with you guys that's the obvious conclusion of what to do but that was never going to happen right because it's fucking stupid yeah yeah it's it's super stupid on every every level because even if it's going to come down to like this weird like um you know capitalist uh competition for covid patients to accelerate the the, the death of the rest of their uh, populace, like because it's going to make more money in the short term, they could at least offset that. Say instead of making the one like nursing home that's going to house all of the patients suddenly rich, they just pay everybody else twenty percent. They like split it up. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just there. This is not rocket science. This is basic health science and, and like public health. And uh, you know, I, I just. I don't know. Th- but this so here's is fucked what's up. fucked like, up is that this, so these are called involuntary discharges. And it's basically when a patient in a convalescent or a nursing home can be kicked out. Federal law mandates that they have to have 30 days notice that they're going to be kicked out. But in a lot of these cases, workers in these places are saying that's not what's happening, as well as many residents are saying that's not what's happening. But this is not a new, it's it's obviously more egregious under, in the age of COVID, when kicking somebody, uh, kicking an elderly person out of their home and sending them to a homeless shelter can be a death sentence for them. But it's not a new practice. They do this all the time. And they try to kick out Medicaid and Medicare patients so that they can get people under private insurance who will pay out more. And this is a constant lib talking point, which is why we can't have Medicare for all, because Medicare and Medicaid don't pay as much to hospitals and healthcare providers as private insurance does. And so many healthcare providers will tell you if our facility had to switch over entirely to Medicaid and Medicare tomorrow, we would shut down because they don't pay enough to keep this place running. It's actually the private insurance payouts that that cover the overhead. Um, the problem with that, obviously, is that now Medicare and Medicaid are having to compete with private insurance if that competition were taken. And this is what the lib mindset can't understand, is that 
competition, they, they are so indoctrinated with the idea that the free marketplace and competition are what drives innovation and positive outcomes, when in reality, it's that very competition that just dead legs the, the public system that, you know, um, uh, totally hampers the government from being able to operate efficiently. Or, yeah. or it assumes that the price signal of like the cost of private health insurance to house someone in a nursing home is accurate, right? That they're like, these costs make any fucking sense whatsoever yeah. when you have like probably a CEO making seven figures. And private yeah. healthcare makes yeah. the whole system more more costly to run anyway just through over just through the bureaucratic process of yeah. deciding what what we have to pay for yeah, how see, much of every little thing and, we're going to pay and then for you have and a whole you, department that does, that just yeah handles billing right yeah, yeah that's that's expensive and then even further all the way down to the customer plus minus balance that they're trying to have when they're going to get some type of service like i went and got a uh, physical therapy because i had uh tendonitis that was really bothering me and all i really want, needed to know was how to uh stretch and whether or not like my form arm felt like something had, you know, been dislocated or ripped or something. And for two half hour sessions, I w asked, okay, how much is this going to cost? And they wouldn't tell me. Yeah. And so I was like, um, well, not knowing how much it's going to cost, how can I make a rational decision as to whether or not I do this elective, like medical care situation? And they're like, well, you have insurance. It'll be fine. And I was like, okay, so $950 is what it cost me and what I had to pay Jeez. with insurance, like out of my pocket to uh, go and get these two half hour treatments, which, like I said, in, it involves somebody basically using their hand to, uh, to feel in my forearm to see if anything uh, seemed like it was torn and then to teach me how to f literally like what I could have learned from a YouTube video. Yeah. And like... Physical therapy so, is very often a fucking scam. But but even but even still, it helps a lot of people. Oh, I yeah. I, I had to go. When I broke yeah. my ankle, I went to physical therapy for eight weeks, and yeah. it was incredible. And I came out of it stronger than I had been in years. Yeah. Um, so even under the logic of the free market people who are like fundamentalists on all of this, it makes no sense at all because there's no market. I can't actually get, use the price signal right. of like treatment to decide to go to this hospital or that doctor or whatever. Because it's or all pick my health insurance. Yeah, it's all obfuscated. Yeah. And so it's just a giant grift mill. Um, but anyway. Yeah, um, no, you're totally right. Yeah, there is no there is no market. There is no free exchange. Um like when you had to redo our entire Obamacare exchange uh, insurance uh, without access to all of our paperwork because your leg was broken. <laughs> all of our paperwork was upstairs. Yeah, and so they just I told just you to guess. The oh. They just tell you to guess. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, None of the, this is all a, a, yeah, like a scam. It's all a scam. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking we're going to. We're going to post the whole New York Times article in the it goes into a great deal of detail of the various iterations of this phenomenon of, you know, these involuntary discharges. And you can check it all out. But I want to get to the article closes the way that it began with this gentleman, um, Mr. Kendrick, the Kendrick, the 88 year old dementia patient. Um, after the police found Mr. Kendrick. His his nephew, Mr. Kennedy, agreed to let him stay with them, even though he could not provide the level of supervision that Mr. Kendrick had received at his nursing home. A month later, Mr. Kennedy, that's this man's nephew, woke up at 3 a.m. to find Mr. Kendrick standing over him with a steak knife. His uncle stabbed him in the back and the head. Mr. Kennedy called the police. He needed 30 stitches. Um, Mr. Kendrick turned Mr. Kendrick turned 89 on May 6th. He spent his birthday at the Los Angeles County Jail, about four miles from Lakeview Terrace. Fuck, fuck, man. fuck. And there's there's another perfect example of how police departments 
like have a huge budget yep. because we don't spend money on anything else. Yep. And they they hold people like that guy, like Mr. Kendrick, who who wait, stabbed wait, his nephew wait because a second. His we're kicking crime. people out of nursing homes. Wait a second. Wait a second. You guys want to talk about defunding the police? Well, that man would still be standing over that man with a knife if it weren't for the police. So think about that. Think, think about that real quick. Think about that. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if 6,000 people showed up to come see me speak, I'd be pretty happy about that. I don't think that's anything to shake a stick at. Now, if it was in a stadium that housed 19,000 people, that... And you were the president of the United States? And and I was the president of the United States. And this was like my, like, don't call it a comeback (laughs) rally, you know? No, literally, don't call it a comeback, Literally, yeah. (laughs) It'd be embarrassing. I will 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 make a law and I will put you in a gulag for it. Yeah, so um, so Trump spoke in Tulsa yesterday, right? Yesterday, today, Sunday. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. Days it was originally it was utterly ori- meaningless to me. It was supposed to be on Juneteenth, which was Friday, Friday and it was pushed uh, to Saturday. Which, like, is so you know, we talked about this a little bit, but like whether or not it was deliberate for Trump to hold his first, you know, rally on Juneteenth in Tulsa. And I was convinced that it probably was deliberate and it was just an attempt to like stoke the fires of, of outrage, which is really what he like, you the know, fl- he, what he flicks his bean to. But um, I was very surprised that they changed the date. Yeah. I did not anticipate that. Yeah. I wonder whose call that was. Yeah. Pro- probably the event holders, you know, or maybe their uh, insurance uh, program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Could some, be, yeah. Some actuary was like, ooh, actually. <laughs> this could be a bit costly. Um, and also the mayor of Tulsa had originally instituted a curfew for the three nights surrounding, I think the two before and the one after maybe, or for three nights around the event. And like Trump basically bullied the mayor into getting rid of the curfew. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. Absolutely fucking wild. Yeah. I mean, here's an, another example of why, you know, riots kind of work, right? You know? <laughs> it was like, it, like, if they're afraid of a riot happening, then like they're gonna move the rally date. Yeah. Like they are. Nothing else. A letter writing campaign won't do that. So, you know, Trump had been saying there were a million tickets reserved and he was expecting 40,000 <laughs> people to show up. And they had this huge overflow space set up that could hold like, I don't know, I think it was something like 20,000 people. Um, and there ended up being like 20 people in this overflow space. They eventually shut the whole thing down. They were disassembling the stage as Trump was going. I mean, just like so humiliating. Like, absolutely fucking humiliating but on the bright side a lot less people are gonna die than if that place had been uh full to the brim yeah yeah so, absolutely well yeah. also on the bright side trump didn't have forty thousand people listening to him talk about uh shuffling down this a ramp at, yeah. at west Yo, point <laughs> did you see the, him drinking the water though yeah yeah pimp, pimp. yeah you know because <laughs> his chalice is so big it needs both hands well, no, I think Chris is talking about when he drank the water at the rally. Oh, Did yes, and that? he only used one hand. And he threw the glass. To oh, my the, gosh. the glass to the side like a gladiator. Wow. <laughs> he looks so strong and virile as he tossed that fucking hotel room, uh, like, shitty little juice glass. Did, oh, be did, my leader. Be my leader. <laughs> and did you see his nostrils and his mouth weren't even covered? Yo, that's some uh, man shit. Yeah. Some man shit. <laughs> So there are a couple of different things to talk about with the Tulsa rally. I mean, the most obvious one being how fucking irresponsible it is to have a closed door event 
of more than like 10 people right now um I mean, yeah, we're not having sporting events for a reason. Like, yeah. those arenas are shuttered. Yeah. <laughs> Way more fun things. <laughs> but also, like, so there was the substance of what he said at Tuls- in Tulsa, which was itself, a lot of it, very disturbing. I mean, he took a couple of swipes at sleepy Joe Biden that were, I thought, fell very flat. Didn't really, didn't seem to excite the people that were there very much. Yeah, um, there are all these videos of people yawning in the crowd. Yeah, people, yeah. yeah. And a part of that is just you also have to realize that, like, part of what gets people jazzed up at rallies is the collective energy of yeah. being in a packed stadium with everybody kind of roiling over with excitement. And you just didn't have that. And then he, like, made this big production of talking about how he shuffled down that slippery ramp because he has leather-soled shoes. It was just all so fucking bizarre. The The glass of water thing, like... And then another big, the thing that's kind of drawn most of the media attention is that he said that our numbers were increasing because we were doing more testing. And so I told my people, slow down with the testing, which just sent like every op-ed writer in the country into an absolute fucking frenzy. Yeah. That he said that. Which I could imagine that being one of those things where if you asked anyone in the audience, you'd be like, he was joking. That's what right? the campaign said. Yeah. The yeah. campaign said he yeah, was joking. obviously joking. Obviously joking. And he probably was joking, yeah, yeah. but also it's He's, probably true. Well, it's like literally the, the, what he did. Remember when, yeah. he, like, when we, we we first were dealing with COVID in the very early hours, he was like, yeah, no, I don't want to test. The numbers will go up. I think that that is the nature of Trump's joke. It was like, yeah. Isn't uh, it funny that I'm isn't president? Isn't it funny that <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the joke. But wasn't a bunch of the reason that that wasn't uh, filled due to the fact that the Zoomers as a generation have been like coordinating through their TikToks and otherwise to like go and reserve tickets so that like people wouldn't be able to go- get in? So I actually saw, I, maybe there were multiple TikToks of this, but I actually saw one that I think it was it was very popular, and I think it may have inspired this whole thing, which was a young man, um, uh, seemingly of the Zoomer generation, saying, like, you know what people really shouldn't do is go on Trump's website and reserve 20 tickets for the Tulsa rally. And you really shouldn't create, like, a fake Gmail account that you can use. And definitely don't make a Google Voice number that you can use to verify your ticket reserves. Definitely don't reserve 20 tickets to Trump's (laughs) Tulsa rally. But here's the problem with that narrative that, like, Zoomers punked Trump and that's why nobody showed up. Is that it's first come, first serve. So oh, it's so not literally like just was, nobody else showed they up. They weren't ticket sales, you know, anybody yeah. who would come. And in fact, the Trump campaign sent out like a frantic last minute text message to people who had reserved tickets saying, there's still room, like, come make America great again. I don't remember the exact. Or, te- you know, keep America great. Keep America great. Yeah. yeah. Um, that might great, actually great, have greatness accomplished. Yeah. 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 Uh, greatness <laughs> moving forward as well. I, I don't actually remember the text of the text that he sent, but it was basically like, Please come. It was the it was the Trump it was the Trump version of please clap, except it was like please come rally. So yeah, I mean we don't I think that there are a ton of reasons that you know the attendance was so low, and I think we really shouldn't discount the fact that like Trump is not popular right now. His numbers are nosediving. I really have like there was a while where I wasn't sure that Biden would beat Trump at all. Now I probably I think he probably will. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
2020 is like they, what they say about New England weather. You know, you don't like it one uh, one moment, give it an hour. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we'll see. Anything can, yeah. can happen as far as, like, electing either the senile rapist goes. Um, it'll, it'll all come down to who can rig the most districts. Ha- has uh, Biden taken on MAGA, like, actually, like, owned the, the, the saying? Because I know they're trying to MAGA. They're trying to make America great again. You know, like the pre-Trump America that they, they know and love. Um, but has, has Biden actually officially come out and said, like, I'm going to make America great again? Make America Obama again. Yeah, i.e. Yeah. great again, which is to say, right. like, the last time we were in charge or whatever, right? Yeah. And, like, uh, at least Biden would be able to, like, put a pin in exactly when America was great. Like, the last time, like, he was, you know, the vice president. And he was like, this is actually where America was great. Like the, the whole thing that uh, everybody's been trying to own uh, Trump for, for, you know, last four, five years uh, has been what the, f- when the fuck was America great? Like just explicitly say what you mean by make America great again. And everyone will realize that you're just like a racist fascist, right? But everybody who, who falls in line with the idea that we need to make America great again is already like he doesn't have. That's the beauty of the dog whistle of racism. Yeah. Is that he doesn't have to say when it is because every one of his supporters knows exactly when he was talking about. Yeah, I guess I'm only bringing this up to say that like the Dems have become the Republicans like pre Trump and that they are running on an explicitly MAGA platform. And the MAGA just happens to be when Obama was president. Like, that's what where they want to bring us back to. But it's very much about going back to normal, which is to say, not Trump. And yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. I, I think it's really ironic that we're going to end up with like this head, head to head thing. Do you think they're going to debate? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I'm actually kind of surprised. Why haven't they already? Like, yeah, I mean, well, I guess that we haven't had the nominating convention, so that's likely the reason. But it, it does. It's really hard for me to imagine them debating. Yeah, I yeah, I can't see it benefiting either one of them. Right, and so, if they, it doesn't, then yeah, why do it? Then why do it? And then I all because especially if they can't have a big audience, then Trump won't want to do it. Right, because that, that's what he needs. But I was actually just thinking today, like, why haven't we heard his vice president yet? Right, it would be about the time to pick a VP, wouldn't it? Yeah, and Klobe just said uh, she's, she's not withdrawing it. from it because he needs to pick a, a black woman. Really? Maybe she, 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 she might she, have said a woman of color. I don't remember. I mean, somebody made a joke about Elizabeth Warren that, you know, those always, hey, yo, that's always a good, uh, easy, easy joke <laughs> yeah, there to crack totally. about Elizabeth Warren being a Native American. But yeah, yeah, she said she was withdrawing herself from consideration because she wants Biden to pick a... I wish I could remember if she said a black woman or a woman of color, but it's hard for me to, to kick the conspiracy that like on the highest levels of like federal office, including like the presidential election and stuff that the Democrats and Republicans aren't like in cahoots and not actually like trying to beat each other because like there's such obvious critiques that I feel like if various people made, it would redound to their benefit and like the election results like i remember in the romney obama election all romney would have had to say is Barack obama extrajudiciously murdered a guy without any due process and then a few months later murdered his 16 year old son they're both american citizens like this guy is eroding all of the civil liberties that we have and like he's an actual threat to democracy and like he'd have a crazy leg to stand on there and whip up the base as well as all of the sort of like center moderate type people like it could could have uh, taken that on maybe th- that wouldn't nobody have, would like, have given a shit about that i, I think that there are two brown people yeah. the vast majority of republican voters could 
could not give two ever loving shits about Obama violating the rights of two brown people. But even cynically, I think that they they could have. But it was something that was just completely gloves off. And now we have with uh, the Biden uh, Trump thing. It's like all Biden has to say is Trump wears a diaper. He literally can't control his, his own bowels. And like, just say that. And then, like, watch Trump go into a meltdown and talk for four months about how he yeah. doesn't wear a diaper. And then, <laughs> then, then you have... Uh, we'll you call know, it the diaper debates. Yeah. And then all Trump needs to do is say, hey, draw a clock on live TV. I'll give you a time. You just put the hands where they belong. Like, you know, just draw the clock, right? put the numbers. And, God. like... Biden won't be able to do it and wouldn't do it. Uh, and if he did, I, he's going to gaff it and fuck it up. Um, and so it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I just feel it's, it, these two politicians are so extraordinarily brittle, like in terms of the being able to attack each other. And all they talk about is like decorum or like, you know, um, Biden's now talking about how uh, Trump was like criminally negligent on the the uh, the COVID shit, which he was. No, it's not even that, though, right? They're talking about like whether or not they can drink water and, and, and run. <laughs> <laughs> like that's your like who should be president? Who can run fastest? Like, like what? Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's like which 70 year old can run faster? Oh, that, yeah. do you, that's who should be president. Do you see that uh, <laughs> an unofficial campaign video from the Biden camp with him? like doing laps with obama like you know what yeah. eight years ago yeah. You know, yeah joe biden reportedly 10 years ago was capable of jogging vote for me <laughs> so anyway it'll be interesting to see how these trump rallies uh it, I, i'm really curious to see if he does more um in the near future or as it gets closer to the nominating convention or um or even the general election, because, like, given how much of it, you know, six of his staffers were uh, tested positive for COVID, like six people who were directly involved with setting up the Tulsa rally. I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see moving forward whether or not he tries to keep up this model of rallying. It's the only thing he cares about. It's the yeah. only reason he wanted to be president was so yeah. that he could sit among, you know, 20,000 scre- people screaming his name and like, you know, just absolutely fervently adoring him. That's that's the reason he's doing this. So if he can't do that anymore. What's the point? What is the Trump presidency? Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like living in New York City. It's like, why the fuck would you pay like half a million dollars a year to like live in a 20 foot by 20 foot box when you can't go out and like have street life and entertainment and, you know, like great parks that you can like, you know, uh, hang out with your friends in and everything else. You know, it's like, yeah, 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 there's no reason to pay a premium to live in New York City when you have to sit in your shitty uh train car apartment yeah and for a reality show host there's no premium on being the president when you don't have the ability to like rock a fucking twenty thousand person stadium you know yeah. <laughs> this by the way that was not an invitation for all the brooklyn podcasts to come up here and we compete don't want with you us. <laughs> we don't want we you don't. new york is new, upstate we can do a zoom call full. <laughs> upstate we're not accepting uh new candidates at this time thank you so much for your interest <gasps> Oh, oh, New York. suddenly somebody cares about borders. Some <laughs> fences. Oh, speaking of which, uh, tragedy uh, at, at Chaz this week, um, yeah. which is now Chaz Chop, uh, or, or Capitol Hill uh, organized it's- protest. And um, apparently some dude, no details as of the time of this recording as to who or motives, but probably a right winger, if I had to guess, uh, rolled up 
in a black SUV and a rifle, went into the Chaz, shot two people, and one of them died, and the other one is in critical con- critical condition at the time of um, this recording. Um, so, yeah, uh, and there's you know no shortage of people saying like, see, see, this is what happens when you have no cops around, except for the fact that. This cops person don't prevent fucking shootings. They don't prevent shootings, <laughs> and this guy came from an area full of cops <laughs> into an area, shot two people, and then left into an area full of cops, and is still at large. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah no, I mean, this might be what happens when there's lots of people organizing around what is increasingly radical politics. Um, like you're going to get stochastic terror by people of opposite likely political persuasions but anyway i won't speculate too much but we'll probably cover that again later. yeah we'll keep our eyes peeled and see if there are any developments on that um and you know we haven't talked a whole lot about like that we spent the last all the last two episodes covering in depth the current protest movements and the chaz and you know it's not we don't want to like let those stories we don't it's not that we don't want to discuss them it's just that like it's kind of more of the same and so there's only so much you can say about a lot of it um the officer who murdered richard brooks uh in a wendy's parking lot in atlanta has been arrested that's pretty cool i do think there's and maybe we'll talk about this on bonus actually but there's an interesting interplay between calls for like prison abolition Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the abolition of policing and yet the fact that the only thing we know to do with these killer cops is like put them in jail and so let's actually save we'll have that conversation on the bonus i think for this week um and you guys can get access to that bonus along with lots of other bonuses uh at patreon.com slash ironweeds for as little as a dollar a month one dollar and you can cancel it anytime you can log on give us a dollar download all the mp3s and then tell us Fuck you. It's like all those MV3s were only worth a dollar. And then, you know, cancel your subscription. And what are we going to do about it? Nothing. nothing. That's the free market, baby. Nothing. I don't know. Give I might like just use a fake name because if you use your real name and you do that, I am going to put you on blast. 100%. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I won't. All right. Wildflower, gentlemen. Sure. Let's talk about something lovely. So we have a delightful wildflower for this week. And I really. I don't know. What do you guys think? Can can we use this as the album art? Like this little picture of this little guy? Oh, yeah. please. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because he's like... He... he the swag he, on this so motherfucker. Much. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm dripping right now looking at this Galapagos <laughs> tortoise. He, most of his body outside of his shell looks like a dick. It does, yeah. He's packing. He's fucking packing. So uh, this story is comes to us from The Guardian. Diego the tortoise, father to hundreds and savior of his species, finally retires. Um, his reproductive efforts almost single-handedly saved his species, and he has been moved to an uninhabited island. I mean, first of all, I really love tortoises. This is like the Genghis Khan of tortoises. He yeah. is, yeah. He is the Genghis Khan of tortoises. Um, so Diego has been living uh, most of his life in the Galapagos National Park's breeding program on Santa Cruz, and he's been removed to the remote and uninhabited Española Island. So, so th- this this turtle is uh, or tortoise. Tortoise. So, yeah, oh sorry. my god. Okay. So the, yeah, th- this tortoise. Do you have any idea how offensive that is? <laughs> uh, he. This tortoise is the patriarch of about forty percent of the population of all the of all Galapagos tortoises, which is now at like two thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, and for listeners who might not know, the reason why they're so uh, nearly extinct 
is because they're delicious. <laughs> they're very tasty. Yeah, and when Darwin and his uh, boys showed up at the Galapagos Islands and started, you know, uh, like uh, investigating all of the, um, the the species, they ate these guys by like the thousands. Darwin ate like everything that he studied because he considered how it how it tasted to be like an important part of his research. I don't think and- that's wrong. I mean, you know, it's kind of like a baby, like when a yeah. baby's learning about the world and they just put everything in their mouths. Oh, like, I, I, I was going to go something somewhere completely different with babies and eating them. Sorry, I, I, I uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So it was Darwin along with 25, so 25 tortoises, including Diego, not Darwin, Jesus Christ. Um. So, I'd be, yeah, that'd be the, fucked up to name the tortoise Darwin. <laughs> who ate his great-grandfather. Yeah. Um, Diego, by the way, 100 years old. Damn, homie. Um, Damn. So they are, the him and the 25 tortoises that are being relocated are undergoing a quarantine period to avoid them carrying seeds from plants that are not native to the island. So he's doing a little bit of a colon cleanse, you know, which is, we all need to do that every once in a while. Totally. So what's the problem with, like, is there going to be like some sort of inbreeding problem now if so much of the species is directly related to this one chad there's a whole like um type of like ecological science devoted to that and it it kind of i think from what i understand it depends on the species um and also like how closely related the male and females are and like what other males are in the breeding population Hmm. so i think it really depends and like yes that's possible but i think oftentimes the logic is it's better to have a bunch of yeah fuck fucked up inbred tortoises than no tortoises yeah that's a value judgment and also nature <laughs> creates these near extinction populations too and right. that and whatever survives is what becomes the new thing that's yeah, you Dar- know, suited to its environment yeah like it's Darwin darwinism even, yeah talked about that i forget the exact uh, scientific term but so it, all of these tortoises taste terrible maybe 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 they could tell by uh the 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 dongness of their neck yeah so yeah diego the absolute chad uh this tortoise fucks congratulations buddy i hope you enjoy your retirement and um i hope you didn't want to spend your retirement fucking a lot well he may be able to fuck there i mean there's 25 tortoises going to the island so oh okay yeah all right so yeah, now, he's now, going, like alone. Yeah. So now it's just it's all uh, everything on top of this is a stretch goal. Just fucking for pleasure. You yeah. Know? yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's, it's not working. It's not anymore. work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you want to pull out every once in a while. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> uh, we just released the full audiobook of Kropotkin on our Patreon. I want to get have everybody in the room give Brittany a round of oh, applause for guys. producing and Marla uh, distributing this um, uh, amazing free audiobook. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, so I hope you guys enjoy it. And, and, and thanks to Dan for the cover art. And our friend Dan Lyles made the cover art for it, which is fucking killer. It's really cool. I just popped in the Discord and was like, anybody want to make some album art for this MP3? And Dan just like Oof, done fucking drops in this absolute fire Photoshop job. So yeah, um, he's been on fire lately with yeah, Photoshop. Yeah. Next week is episode fifty-two. Yes, it's our it's our anniversary. We turned one year old. Yep. Because we are so dedicated to our craft that we have not missed a single week, except for one week when we released a bonus episode. But I just na- I numbered that in the anyway. We've been doing it for a year, and we're going to do a Q and A. So send us uh, your your Q's and your A's. 
Well, what just cues. So we'll, we provide the A's. Well, send us some A's. I mean, too, if you have any yeah, answers, well, I, please, uh, yeah, by all means, yeah. share them. Because I would like to not do any work. <laughs> it's my birthday. Yeah, it's podcast birthday. Oh my god! For a second, my heart fucking. Day <laughs> <and I> <gasps> was next week. <laughs> Shit. So yeah, thanks so much for your support. Rate and review us on iTunes if you could do that. It'd be great. And in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. Ironweeds Pod. You can find us on Instagram. Ironweeds Pod. You can shoot us an email at ironweedspod at gmail.com. And, um, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Peace.